This is the War Room Roundtable podcast, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant businessmen and women on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they've learned on the road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their successes into your life and business. The War Room Roundtable is brought to you by your hosts, Jason Miller, CEO of Strategic Advisor Board, and Philip Llanos, CEO of Own the Rhythm, and former podcast host for Entrepreneur and Inc. Magazine. Welcome to the War Room. Scott, it's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing well. I appreciate having me. Yeah, man. Uh, from my notes, what I have here is, uh, and we're, we're going to have a traditional question, but I just want to lay the groundwork and say, the CEO of Smashburger? Ooh, <laughs> that's awesome, man. For me, I mean, I, I'm a foodie, so this is a big deal to me. But um, that said, the way we start things off is we ask, do you yourself come from a family of entrepreneurs or working professionals of that degree? Uh, yeah. So my grandfather on my father's side and my father, they own their own in Iowa. They own their own elevator, you know, like grain elevator. And my dad then bought a division of it from his dad that then fertilized the crops when they were planted. And another brother bought the grain piece of it. So yes. And then my dad, we sold the business, I think in 85 is when I actually moved to, to Missouri, which started my restaurant business. Um, because he sold out and went to work for a vegetation control company for the railroad. And um, so, so, so yes, uh, the history is there. Um, my other side of the family were all farmers, uh, my mom's parents and brothers, and they still to this day farm and have, you know, some of them have like 10,000 acres. So, so yeah, there was really never, my mom worked at a bank, but besides that, there was really never a, uh, you know, a typical, I got to go to the office, you know, eight o'clock kind of a thing. How do you feel that shaped your, uh, and by the way, you have a lot in common with Jason in that respect. How do you, how do you feel you, uh, you had that shape your decisions growing up where most people would say, okay, I got to go to school. I got to get a corporate job. I mean, what, that was probably not even anywhere on your mind, but I'd love to hear it from you. Like, how did that shape your professional choices growing up? Sure. Sure. So Mike and I, my brother, uh, he was three years older than me. He passed away last year, but he um, and I had a mowing business. So I, I'm going to say I was seven, eight years old and he'd drive the riding mower and I'd sit on the back, pull the push mower. because like, it's all I could do. I couldn't reach the pedals. And, um, but we moved to Smithville in Missouri is when we first got started in the restaurant business. And, and I guess my whole life until recently, I mean, recently last several years, but is, you know, I miss birthdays. I miss holidays because being in this business and the food business, you just, you miss all those things. Right. And I think that that helped ground all of us and me as me, especially. Um, but there was an, I had an itch, I guess, in Iowa. There's a, there's 99 counties in Iowa and everyone by the state constitution has to have a civil engineering degree or civil engineer on staff. 
So I like math. I'm good at math. And I was blowing through math and I'm like, well, I'll be a civil engineer. Well, it wasn't until I got kind of in the food business and I was a manager at 18, a district manager at 20. And then I was like, well, I'm not going to go do that. Waste all that money to make nothing when I can do what I do, I think, fairly well and, and surround myself with great people. So that's really what kind of took me out of the traditional. I mean, everybody thought I was going to be the one that you know goes to college, you know, gets a master's. All and I work with all these Harvard guys and stuff that you know have all the MBAs. But I just never just was not the path for me. And I just grew up, you know, kind of uh, with the old bootstraps, if you will. Uh, since I was 11 years old, I started washing dishes, and I'm 48 today, I guess. So. Wow, so that's, a, okay. that's a nickel nickel tour there. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I love that though, especially the details about not only how far back your spirit was ready to get to work, right? And it's, I'm not surprised because based on what I've learned from even Jason here, just growing up, it, it being on a farm, the kind of work ethic that comes from that origin in life, and it's unavoidable. So it's really fun to hear that, and then to see that you had taken the time to learn what businesses are required to have on staff. And you're like, well, I could go that route since I'm good at that only to find. Yeah. But I'm also not only good at that, which is where entrepreneurs really start to flourish when they start coming into themselves and realizing I'm good at a lot of things. So how do I maximize my potential and my prospects uh, and make it better? Right. So I I love hearing sort of these qualities that you're bringing up uh, and and how they're beginning to connect to where you are today. And before we go there, I want to turn it over to Jason, since there's so much in common in your origins uh, in terms of growing up. And then, you know, both of you being in business now while he had a military career, that's that's another aspect of, of his own life. But I, I'd love to hear his reflections on sort of some of the things you were saying. I'm sure there's a couple of things he wants to talk about there. Sure. <clears throat> well, the beauty behind it is, is, you know, you don't get to rush anything on a farm, right? It's going to take its natural time. You don't get to shove a seed in the ground and go, you better grow by tomorrow, right? I mean, it doesn't work that way. Right. And if people, you know, and, and I'm sure you've probably seen this over years of mentoring CEOs too, um, since in your own career is that a lot of people think this stuff can just come so quickly, right? And you got to plant the seed. You have to, you know, there's care and feeding involved in business, right? And it's just, it's not this, you know, plant and, and it goes type of thing. And that's why I love using the farm example. I, I mean, I grew up on a farm and my parents both very entrepreneurial. And I took a lot from that. You know, I, I didn't understand for year until years later. Um, every morning, my dad would make me go shovel. I, it seemed like a ton of grain. It probably actually wasn't, but it seemed like that at age nine. <laughs> right. <laughs> and right. he'd hand me a scoop shovel. He'd be a shovel all out in the bunks, right? Yeah. Meanwhile, there is a farmhand right there that could just be done like that, right? And... But the lessons from all those things, I think, take, you know, they take people like you and I, and then we get in the the positions where we can impact the world a little bit, right? 
And you can leave quite a good little footprint in people's minds just with a story like that. Oh, right. Certainly. Certainly. Yeah. And, and it's, and it's amazing how a lot of business owners come from very high performance uh, growing up. Right. And, you know, there was no givens. It was, you had to work for everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was, there right. was, there, there was no well, hey, I want that new pair of shoes. Great. Go figure out how to buy them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? exactly. <laughs> so, so there's some really interesting things in there and it, it doesn't surprise me. You, you took all that and rolled it up into quite an illustrious career um, in the restaurant business, which is, uh, you know, I know how you and Mike Owens, that's how you guys know each other. And yeah. Oh, Mike Owens. He was, you know, yeah. we told you, he was, he was a groomsman at my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. A failed wedding. So yeah. I think <laughs> if he was the bad apple or it was me, but I'm sure it was more me, but uh, yeah. So I've known Mike. Uh, I started working for Mike when I was, I think 19, maybe mm-hmm. 20. And then, so now, you know, talking 30 years later, we've friends and in my wedding. And so, yeah, he's a, he's a good, good, good guy. Yeah. Wow. For sure. It's That's amazing how successful people just revolve around each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was my GM. I was an assistant and we'd take the walk around the parking lot and he'd tell me <laughs> the way of the world. And, and then, you know, <laughs> over time things change and, you know, I just went up to different things and he did as well. And it worked out well for everybody. It seems like. Yeah. Man, see, that's cool. I, I think there's there's a valuable uh, opportunity here in terms of having a conversation about mentorship, uh, because you know, even just running a restaurant, right, having the right leaders in place to help get the team where they need to be in general is one form of mentorship, right? Because I think I think restaurant uh, businesses, and I don't know much about them, right? So I'm speaking out of depth here, so I'd love for you to correct me. Is the it has the it's the kind of business where leadership really does matter. It's 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 probably the most important type of business uh, because uh, there's a lot of fast pace and uh, quality control that needs to happen all at the same time, and the deliverable is almost immediate as opposed to sort of throwing up an ad campaign and waiting a couple of weeks to see what the results and the data looks like. You got the data right away. It's almost as tough as uh, a stand up comedy. In, in a sense where you know if it's working almost right away, it's only to add to it the fact that restaurants, as far as a business goes, can be very difficult to actually make a profit. And so I'd love to hear sort of your thoughts on mentorship, the nature of the, the food business and, and and so on and so forth. Sure. Um, <clears throat> great comments. Uh, you know, certainly things have changed so much in the last couple of years. And, and quite frankly, guys, you know, knock on wood. Thank my lucky stars. I was not running anything daily during the when the pandemic hit because I now I'm on boards of companies that do that are active. But just to listen to the stories of man, you've yeah. got to take every temperature and every four hours, and you know only people could be in the line. I mean, just it was it just you know hard for me. To de- I'm glad I didn't deal with it, but hard for me to actually wrap my head around what a pain in the ass that is. So, so I, I think 
but I will tell you, and this is the Swenson's brand out of Akron, Ohio. You know, I got on the board there six years ago. There were seven stands. There's 18 today. And these are like real drive-ins. Like you drive in, you flash your lights, car hop comes out. And I mean, or you can get it online too, but nonetheless. Uh, so just hit a huge boon during the pandemic even while being short-staffed, even with all these other problems. But you got a CEO that was with the company for 18 years as a car hop and a kitchen person, and they made him CEO and they bought the company. And so I'm his every other Tuesday, I have a mentor call with him for the last six years, you know, beginning to hand off the next tool, right, right, start looking at this. And you should start talking about your team with technology. So I think that's been a huge win, but I would also say that the struggle with it is that is you're trying to mentor someone who means well, brand advocate in the middle of the worst, you know, firestorm in the, in the food business that I've been in and I've been doing since I was 11. So 40 years. So, so that's, I mean, that don't that, that answers your question necessarily. Um, you know, I'm dealing with a, a really, you know, unfortunate circumstance on another board where we bought 42 restaurants, half of them shouldn't have been bought, just poor due diligence. And so we're, you know, think about what to do with that. And so those are big decisions, right, for a young company. And this and, and the capital company itself is not that young, but this particular brand uh, in the portfolio is. So anyway, it's, you know, you kind of got... Uh, from from my standpoint, you know, I got kind of from one end to the other. I I have zero interest whatsoever anymore. Like I got go run five thousand pizza huts, just not my my gig, you know. And so my gig is you know looking uh, if I'm going to do something at an investment opportunity, probably smaller to get it very similar to Smash Bros. I started with Smash Bros. One restaurant. And we sold it with 370 to Asian group Jollibee Foods for 350 million. So, so that worked out really well. <laughs> and I was there from day one, literally from day one as the president. So it's more of something like that for me. I just don't, and, and I think that helps to circle back to your question. That helps with mentorship because you got the time to build. I mean, you're talking about wearing 10 hats any given day. And versus it's going into a big company, you got the new CMO coming in. I, I've kind of lost all passion for that anymore. I used to want to run Yum Foods when I was a kid, but uh, I just I just don't really want to do that anymore. I, I like making impact on people's lives or trying to, I guess. Yeah, no, it's definitely a different a different flavor of business when you move into the investment uh, launching and sort of scaling uh, side of things. It's right. totally different from being the the younger guy on the other end of the phone call going, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Well, that's, that's why I'm your mentor <laughs> to tell you things you didn't think about, right? And having right. that dynamic. And then they have their own set of problems like dealing with the pandemic and even prior to the pandemic or post pandemic, yeah. what the world looks like in terms of operations and workplace culture and, right. and maybe accommodating while also still being strict and expecting what's absolutely necessary for your team. And the list goes on. So I, I, I like that we're able to discuss sort of the, the, 
the different levels that one can expect to to travel through as an entrepreneur because that that's that's the goal right if you're not going to be transforming and changing yourself uh, your businesses not only yourself but your businesses will reflect that lack of willingness to change and transform yeah. and travel and it's it's something that it, i'm seeing you know while i may not be scaling businesses and making investments the way you and jason are and, and in terms of that i i am on the i'm the guy on the other one like i'm trying to lead something and and i'm having people like jason people like you uh scott tell me well have you tried looking at this it's time you start looking at that I'm the one there going, oh, okay. So it's really cool to be able to bring those things together and show how important mentorship is at any level. Cause I'm willing to bet, Scott, you still have mentors. <laughs> oh yeah. No, there's no doubt. No doubt. And I talk to them frequently and you know, it's it's a million dollar question. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? <laughs> Quite literally a couple millions of dollars in questions, right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, don't know exactly when I find it all. I mean, I love being on the boards. I love, you know, I obviously have equity investments there. They've been extremely good. Um, it's allowed me then to get into their next funds. Each of the boards I'm on, their next fund raise. One closed a $380 million fund and one closed another $250 million fund. So now I'm able to get in that world and which I've been working on. And, you know, ideally one more board for me probably would be happy and not saying I would invest in a great company, but that keeps me pretty darn busy with three boards and, you know, so, or two boards. And, but I, so I'm talking to the groups, you know, if they get something down my bailiwick, you know, consumer food, whatever, uh, just to get on another board. So that was something I'm interested in. Um, not saying I wouldn't take the right opportunity to invest and start somewhere else, but it's got to be a unique deal. For me, I feel like one of the most valuable things we could get out of this conversation for entrepreneurs, aside from the millions of opportunities we have here, but I think the most obvious one, the, the one that's really been driving this conversation is if you had to take a moment to speak to any entrepreneur who's at a level now where they're wondering, What's next? I solved my money problems, right? It is as a person. Um, I've got a great team. But I feel like I need to grow into something and I don't know what that is, right? We're talking about that entrepreneur, uh, CEO level looking to do what's next because they, they, they conquered that. In your opinion, based on the fact that you're now sitting on boards and making investments and being part of funds, how, what is that transition like? And what is like a bottom line? This is what you need to know if you want to grow into something like that. It's mm, a long question. Um, good question, but you know, I, I'll tell you, it's a little uncomfortable right now with the stock market in the toilet, you know, when you're not working and have a daily job. I mean, it's been, well, for everyone, but it's been brutal. And so, and I've had a lot of calls about that with not, I mean, with me and my guys, but I mean, with people that are, you know, what do we do? What do we do? What do I do? And you just got to, you know, keep doing what you do well, keep your eye on the ball and, and then to me, and this is a cliche, but it's, you've got to have good people around you. And I'll give you an example. I'm struggling with this CEO that I deal with of him not wanting to bring on any COOs. And because he's like, oh, I, I can handle all this. Well, we're not handling it very well. 
And I'm telling you, I mean, we're about to close 20 stores and that's going to be a, you know, firestorm of big proportions. It'll make the news. And so it's, it's, how do you teach someone? And this, that's a really old school idea though, is I want to do it all myself because I don't want anybody around me. Well, the real way to do it is surround yourself by great people. You look even better, right? That's a, that's a cliche I was getting at, but so that still seems to be, you know, a major problem. And then, and then I think also it's being open to, which they weren't when I first started there, they opened to new technologies. And what I mean by that was, I'm not kidding you. The kid runs to your car. The kid takes your order. He brings your food out. So now we're on, we got online ordering. We've got KBS systems measuring time. I mean, we're doing all kinds of stuff that you should be doing, but didn't have it to begin with. And then to try and teach someone that, that had been with the brand for 20 years, like we're just trying to change my brand. Well, no, I'm kind of wanting to bring it into this generation. And so that's been, it started 1830, or I'm sorry, 1934. But so it's, you know, there's a, each one's different. I have a buddy who's the CFO at um, Jack in the Box and I get him to jump there and, and He's always looking for the next big deal. Like, I want to be CEO. Well, I want you to want to be a CEO. You need to stick somewhere for like five years as a good CFO before you get there. And he just pop, 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 you know, popping jobs. And, and he's finally, I think, learning is, oh, I need to hunker down. I need to focus. And I could be a very good CEO. And I think he could be. But you can't go somewhere for six months, generally speaking, and just keep hopping and, you know, expect to be the CEO. So, that's kind of a spectrum of the stuff I talk to deal with people, friends, et cetera. Um, and I don't know if that made any sense, but that's. Yeah, no, I, the, the general sense that I took away from that is if someone's really looking to grow into a, a new level of what they're trying to accomplish, uh, or if they think that they're, that it's smart to just, take on as much as they can on their own. There's a few things they need to keep in mind. Number one, is that really the best use of your talent, your skill, your energy, your vision, your craft, right? As a, as a professional, right. Uh, that that's one key thing I think that you've highlighted uh, and to keep in mind, someone needs to take stock of that and have a hard look. And that's where a good mentor can come in. That can be honest with you. I don't know. Right. The other is If you are going to be making a change and a shift over, especially when you're at that level, at that higher level, it's important that you're ready to commit to this next role that you want to step into, regardless of what it looks like for at least a couple of years. We're talking a handful, like five Mm -hmm. years. And if you can do, if you're willing to do that, commit to this new role, like if you want to go from being a CEO to an investor, and you need to know that there are going to be hard times, there's going to be a lot of money lost, a lot of money made, and you can't let any of those things change the fact that you decided to step into this if that's what you want to do, right? So it's just like the way you got to become a CEO to begin with. So there's that. And then the other is, are you really going to say that being in, because it's not for everybody, an investor and sitting there on boards and listening to people and doing all, is that really the best use of you? It's like the same can be said of anybody who is a CEO, but really they'd make a better CMO. Right. Like there's a there's a there's a slight difference in, in skill set and personalities that are necessary. And I think all of that is is worth having that conversation about. And that's what, at least what I took from what you were saying. Is that accurate? Yeah. And I think that that's you've made a good point with, 
you know, I love the two PE firms that I'm on boards with. And that I think is essential. And, you know, I can tell a horror story too in my past where it wasn't as good, but so that's one of the first things I ask is about the board structure, how it works, who's going to be involved, like what's the feedback mechanisms that we all have, um, because I want to do something that I enjoy as well. And working with the wrong board and I'm or any wrong person is terrible. And I'm, you know, old enough now I don't have to just do that. But I uh, I am very sensitive to that. That's why I would like. So I would be a CEO for one of the two firms that I'm I'm with now, if I could invest in the next concept and they know that. And so I'm an operating director actually for one of them. Um, and I do some consulting work for him and just look at deals for him to try to help him out with the, the due diligence. But so, yeah, I, I think that that's, that that's accurate, but I, you know, I also think that because the job market's gone so haywire on every level, that that is its whole nother, you know, bailiwick of challenges, the technology, robotic pizza making, you know, kiosk <laughs> ordering in McDonald's. I mean, hey, you get what you ask for. You'll pay me 15 bucks an hour. There'll be three of you instead of 12. I mean, that's just, and common sense doesn't seem to win on any of those fronts anymore. But, you, you know, it's, but it's staying ahead of that trend as well. And, and technology is not going anywhere, obviously. So it's how do you remain relevant? How do you continually evolve to remain relevant? And in doing so, how do you bring the right people and team? Like, listen, I'm not a tech guy. I like tech and I need it all around me, but I'm not a tech guy. So you need like people that teams that understand your vision and can execute against that. And, and so that's a myriad of, I guess, comments to your question. And there's no, to me, like there's no right or wrong answer to anything. It's like people asking me, should you franchise or become corporate? all corporate owned. Like that's not, there's no right answer there. It's a capital structure issue. It's, you know, resource issue. So again, not saying that that's the right answers. Those are just some answers. Hey, there are answers from experience. Uh, and I really appreciate that. There's very few uh, tidbits left of business to, to accomplish in this conversation here. Uh, the the first one being uh, giving a shout out to somebody who even made this conversation with you possible for us to like to continue the show and our supporter uh, is the, this company called Sharing the Credit with Will Black and essentially what they do is they've taken matters into their own hands to take back the power for businesses that don't even know they can add a little bit of impact to what they do every day already. So as you know, if you own a business, you get a credit card swiped, a fee goes to the bank. Apparently. And this is true legally, thanks to sharing the credit, we now know you can actually direct that money to a nonprofit instead of the bank. You can actually do that. But since nobody does it, kind of like with employer benefit plans, right? We'll just get the boilerplate. But then you have no idea how much more you could be doing just as a business, the kind of brand that you could stand behind. So sharing the credit could do that for you. And they can help you choose whatever nonprofit you want to send that to and get the structure in place to make that happen. If you're listening... And that's a business uh, decision you want to make. Visit sharingthecredit.com and let them know the war room sent you, and they'll give you the red carpet treatment. That being said, 
Uh, and this goes to, that was for the listeners in general. Now, I also want the listeners to know about what you're doing, Scott, and, and maybe what, what they should know about what you're working on right now and where they can connect and stay up to date with all your latest. So I appreciate the first part. Um, I'm odd, and I'm sure Mike has probably told you, <laughs> Jason, I, I you know, when I was younger, I used to go to every conference and have <laughs> dinners and all the, you know, wine and dine and the table at the club with the bottles on it. I mean, I just, I've gotten kind of past that in my life. So I, I don't do, Mike is always on me. He's like, you need to network more. Mike. I don't really. And, but thank <laughs> you. And, and he's like, but you, you know, you could just do so much more. And I just, don't really want to do. I'm just not that built that way anymore. What I would do is, yeah, I would run another company if I thought I had big legs. Um, I get on, you know, whether it's the first turn of equity or maybe the mes turn, you know, the second turn of equity, something like that's that early on. I would do that. Um, but if not, you know, I, I just will keep doing what I'm doing. And then maybe, like I said, get on another board um, and then invest. And, you know, have, I have monthly calls. Uh, we have quarterly meetings. And I have now that I'm a partner, limited partner in the uh, funds, I got to go to the annual you know, fund to look at all the companies. So I keep pretty busy, you know, and to get a full time job, I would have to figure something out because that's, you know, you do four meetings a year in person, two companies that should call it three days with travel, plus the calls, plus the LP meetings. I mean, you're, you're burning up a month or two right there. Right. And so, so I would have to make sure I keep that in consideration as well, because these investments have been very, very good and they're bigger now with the new funds. But uh, so that's yeah, kind of where I'm at with, with life. I, um, yeah, it's funny. I don't talk on the phone very much anymore. I mean, I do all kinds of conference calls and stuff I have to do, but I don't like talking on the phone much anymore. I mean, it's it's kind of weird. In fact, what another good friend of mine who was I went to his wedding in Cabo in April. He's like, you and he's from Fiji. You've become a hermit, a hermit. <laughs> and he, told me, so he says, "Scoff, where's you know scoff?" Because he talks funny and. I go, I'm not a hermit. I just have chosen to not be in the limelight all the time and do all the cool stuff that people think that they need to do. And some people need to do that to keep their careers going and build their business. I just don't, I'm not that bucket right at the moment. And, but I've done it. So it's just weird. I'm just in a different spot in my life. I, I think that's great, man. And uh, it just goes to show that you've grown, right? You've been willing to change and evolve and, I think your your best work is yet to, to to be done because now you have a different quality of life that will allow you to hyper focus on the things that actually matter. So if someone does have a company they think would be interesting to you or what have you, is there anywhere they can go like a website or uh, like LinkedIn or something like that they can connect with you on? So that's uh, like I'm terrible at LinkedIn too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I think I had like 185 people waiting for my reply. <laughs> um, I just try to send people to my direct email yeah. that's the best way to get a hold of me i don't do linkedin very much um or very very rarely i guess and um and you know 
I would just contact me directly. But you know, knowing that if it's a decent investment, that I'll probably have to I'll bring in a group or two, you know, to look at it as well. Yeah. So, and which is important. And if you look on the Gage um, Capital website, I'm an operating director there, as I just said. So, so I, I do stuff with them, and and they're always looking for deals that might fit, you know, my daily work with as long as it's their business plan as well. Um, so that's kind of where I think I would end up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So the the listener can go to Gage Capital's website and see if they can break through that barrier and get your attention from there. there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, with that said, uh, there, I want to check in with Jason. There's really only one last thing and that's the grand finale we talked about prior. So are we good for that, Jason? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. Do it. So Scott, for a million points on this show today, uh, who would you have loved to have had here as a guest listening in, maybe even contributing to the conversation, if you had your pick of the litter in any one of the world at any point in time and why them in particular? Well, this is going to be another cliche, which I'm not a cliche guy, but I would love to sit down and have dinner with Elon Musk. Yeah. I mean, just how he has the boring company, SpaceX, Tesla, well, now Twitter, Twitter and, and how he can it, it just there's a way of thinking that people like him that. I don't think that way. And I just love to pick his brain. Like, how do you even do you lay in bed? Like, Hey, let's just dig a big hole below Las Vegas. I mean, how, I mean, how does that even start? You know? And, and um, you know, what do you do with $200 billion besides <laughs> this it away on Twitter, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> but, but uh, he, he is just, yeah, he's like an enigma for me. I mean, it, He's the one I would like to, as a business person, and I always go to the, if I ever came up and wanted to pay a million bucks, but um, I'd love to meet Warren Buffett too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. Solid choices. And knowing yeah. what I know about you based on this conversation, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Those are definitely conversations that would be worth the time for where you're at and at your point in your career. Uh, I think that's excellent. Uh, it's tradition around here for Jason to close us out. So I'll let him do that. Um, but I just want to say thank you, man. It's been great getting to know you. Yep. I, thank you as well. Appreciate it. Sorry it took so long. <laughs> well, hey, awesome. Thanks, Scott, for for taking the time to be here today. And oddly enough, I still haven't got him to do it yet. But my neighbor, he's one of the ex CEOs of Oracle. Okay. Um, and he's got him and Warren Buffett used to race horses together. Oh, um, wow. And they speak every now and then still. I mean, they're old guys. He's 82. My neighbor's 82 years old. Right. And I was like, could you just get him on the phone for a minute? I just want to say hi to him and ask him one question. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would like, love that. And he's like, no. <laughs> yep. I will ruin our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> that's no, right. that's I, I that's all you. I need is a 
is a is a is a groupie running around wanting to talk to Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> I think the days are numbered between the two of them. We're still getting yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah. eventually, I guess uh, I'll get his phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what yeah. I always tell him. I said, if I come over here and find you dead on the floor, the first thing I'm doing is downloading your contact list. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. He was I like, like you're a prick, man. <laughs> That's really cool, though. I like, the, yeah. I like the way you're thinking. <laughs> but uh, anyway, th- thanks for taking the time to be here, Scott. Appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Sorry, I, for whatever reason, my power dipped out there for a minute. But Oh, it's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And, you know, holler. Now that I know you, just feel free to reach out to me directly if you need anything, you guys. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, if I can help in any way, um, if not, I get it. So, and I'll uh, I'll send Mikey a note just saying, "Hey, I thought it went pretty good." Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, man. Great there's a, there's definitely something. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of No Move Burger, but I, I know the guy who's setting up the franchises for that, and it's uh he had started the five guys thing out here in California. So there's, I don't know if that's of interest to you, but I know that he personally was talking to me about coming up with like a boilerplate marketing strategy he could take to the team. And if it goes well, that would go well. So I don't know if you're still in the burger area, but this vegan burger is taking away by storm. So just something you should know about. No boo burger. No moo, like no cow. Oh, no, no moo. moo. I thought like, yeah. it was like no boo. Like, no, wow. I wish. No, no, yeah, no moo. I, I only do moo. Yeah. <laughs> if it oh, don't moo, I Thank God I was gone and smashed before this whole big thing came out. I've never even eaten it. So, <laughs> yeah, man, I love it. Well, hey, man, thanks for stopping by and cheers. <laughs> cheers, brother. All right, guys. Yep. Good talking with you. Thanks for listening to the War Room Roundtable with your hosts, Jason Miller and Philip Lanos. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates. And always remember, if you can dream it and believe it, then you can go achieve it. We'll see you in the next episode.